Wednesday, September 5th, 2018. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chachesco. And hey, Chet, it's show number 200 for us here at Philly Press Box. And uh, it's the eve of the NFL season with the Super Bowl 52 champion Eagles opening tomorrow night, less than 24 hours. It's fantasy football time. Pick them pool time. Oh, and the Phillies are somehow just three games out of first place going into the night. And it's September with just 24 games left. Yeah, you know it, Bill. The Phillies haven't played well over the past month, but they are still in the hunt. Go figure. The Braves are helping them out. Every Eagles fan is excited about the new season kicking off and that big Super Bowl banner being raised before the game. And yes, it is show number 200 for us. And to quote the Grateful Dead, what a long, strange trip it's been. <laughs> yes, it is. How, how did it happen? I by have the way? no idea. No clue. <laughs> we'll talk a little more about that at the end of the show, I think. Yep. But hey, we have another full house of new guests tonight to cover all of this with us. The legendary Merle Reese, Bleeding Green Nations, Brandon Lee Galton returns to talk Eagles. Fred Hugo of FredButter.com joins us to talk fantasy football. We are loaded up. Yeah, lots going on, a whole lot going on. And, you know, since you mentioned Merrill Reese, Bill, um, full disclosure, Merrill Reese is a very busy guy, so we taped our interview a few days ago, but I just wanted to give everyone a snippet of our chat right here at the top. This is part of Merrill's response when I asked him what he expects to see from the Birds' new tight end duo, Zach Ertz, and rookie Dallas Goddard. Maybe the best tandem they've ever had of tight ends. Maybe the best tandem of all. There you go. Wow. Well, you know what? They've been pretty good. They've been pretty good at tight end for quite a while. So I that's, hope he's uh, right. That's saying something. Dallas, Dallas Goddard must be pretty good. We're hoping. Yeah, that's right. Well, hey, um, are we ready to roll? Do we have our first guest uh, ready, ready with us? I don't know. Do we have our guest, Taylor? We do indeed. Let's bring him Let on, Bill. Well, let's get it rolling. Welcome our first guest from the Bleeding Green Nation, Brandon Lee Galton. Brandon, welcome back to show number 200 of Philly Press Box Radio. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Congrats on 200. Very glad to be here. Thanks, Brandon. Your ninth visit, by the way, if you're keeping track, number nine for you. And uh, we, we haven't talked with you since February. In fact, it was 10 days after the Eagles won that quasi-important game out in Minnesota. Now it's time to defend that championship. But after a preseason that saw the first teamers, those who got on the field anyway, do pretty much nothing overly positive, do we even know what to expect, Brandon, now that the games will count? Yeah, it's a really good question here because, you know, it's it, in some ways it's very much the same team. There's a lot of familiar faces back from that Super Bowl team, but there are also guys who are not back. We know that Alshon Jeffrey and Matt Collins and Tim Jernigan and, the likes, and Carson Wentz, obviously, will not be there uh, for week one. So the Eagles are dealing with some injury situations. For the preseason, sure, it wasn't pretty, although you're also getting some guys back who weren't playing in the preseason, such as Jason Peters and Darren Sproles. And I think the fact that the Eagles had that kind of ugly preseason might might be a nice wake-up call for this team, and you would hope things go smoother. But I think this team is juiced up. I think they're ready, and this is a huge game on Thursday night, and I think they're going to be ready for it. Okay. Well, Brandon, I'm glad you mentioned those guys because that's right where I wanted to take you with my first question. How does Jason Peters, Darren Sproles, Jordan Hicks, those guys that uh, we missed last year, how do they look this year? Are they healthy? Uh, specifically Peters because I'm an O-line guy and he's a great player. 
Yeah, the, all of those guys have looked really good in training camp. They, they, there haven't been any kind of setbacks for them by any means. They look like they've been ready to play. They've pretty much been full go other than maybe, you know, Jason Peters getting some veteran rest off here and there. I think he looks in, in top shape. I think he looks ready to pick up where he left off last year when really he was kind of playing at an all-pro level before he got hurt there. I think, you know, it, it's always not easy to count on aging offensive linemen to be uh, elite players, but I think Jason Peters is very much an exception. He's a future Hall of Famer, and I think you have to feel really good about him coming back in there, especially replacing Big V, who really struggled this preseason. Well, Brandon, one guy who did not look good in August, ironically, the Super Bowl MVP, Nick Foles. Nick can look pretty pedestrian, or he can do what he did last January 21st and February 4th in the two biggest games of his life. So any idea which Nick Foles we'll see Thursday night, keeping in mind there's no Alshon Jeffrey or Matt Collins in the lineup? Yeah, that's again, that's one of the biggest questions for this game. Which version of Nick Foles will we see? We see the... The good, the, the good Foles, the Super Bowl MVP, we see him play at an incredibly high level sometimes. And then we also see him play some of his worst football at times as well. So it's kind of almost a coin flip in that sense. I would think that you're getting Jason Peters back. You don't have to worry about Big V being in there. Uh, you have the, the benefit now of actually game planning for this Falcons team. That's not something the Eagles are really doing heavily in the preseason. So I think there's reason to believe he'll be better for sure, but it's just a matter of can he get in the rhythm, can he find that consistency, and then he, can he avoid those mistakes that we were seeing in the preseason. Brendan, it seemed like Tim Schwartz on the defensive side of the ball pushed all the right buttons last year. Uh, but I was really surprised, and, and Chet and I talked about this several times, about them not going after linebackers in the draft. And, of course, we're not going to have Bradham tomorrow. Hicks is coming off the injury. The, the front four definitely is solid, probably front eight or nine. Uh, but what about those linebackers? That seems to still be a big question mark to me. Yeah, I feel really good about Jordan Hicks coming back. I think he almost gets a little bit underrated here. Obviously, he's had the injury issues, but when he's been healthy, the guy is a ball magnet. He makes plays on the ball every game he's in there. So I, I feel good about getting Jordan Hicks back. Losing Nigel Bradham for this opening game is certainly going to hurt. He was pretty effective in the playoff game against the Falcons last year, so that could certainly be a key absence for this game. So the Eagles are really counting on Nate Gary, who they drafted in the fifth round last year, and then Kamu Gurjay-Hill, to really kind of step up and kind of uh, hold down the fort here in the meantime while Bradham is going to be missing some time. So it's definitely a, a spot that could be concerning because you're looking at this Falcons team. They didn't really have a lot of success last year when they played the Eagles running up the middle. I remember Devonta Freeman only had 10 carries for seven yards. Meanwhile, uh, Tevin Coleman, on the other hand, had 10 carries for 71 yards. And he's obviously more of a guy who likes to make people miss than he is run up the middle and run into people. So the Eagles will certainly be tested out on the edge there and, and maybe trying to get a running back matched up on those linebackers as well. Brandon, staying on the defensive side, I'm really excited to see Sidney Jones. We just got a glimpse of him last year, of course, in a meaningless December game. Uh, he's going to be playing a lot this year. I guess he'll be a slot corner for the most part, but he'll be on the field quite a bit. What have you seen from Sidney Jones and how good is he? 
It's a really good question because I think we've seen flashes from Sidney Jones for sure. We've seen some uh, good break pass breakups. We've seen some good reaction time. He has really fast feet. The the physical talent is there for sure. But at the same time, I mean, this is a new position for him and that he's learning in the slot there. Uh, this is going to be his first real season, as you mentioned. He's only 22 years old. He's a young player. I think there could be some growing pains there. I think we'll see some some flashes for sure, but I think there could be an adjustment period. This will be a big test for him in week one. I mean, if I'm the Falcons, I'm looking to test Sidney Jones by matching him up against uh, Julio Jones and and then uh, the rookie Calvin Ridley as well. So I think that if I'm the Falcons, like I said, I'm, I'm really going to try to test Jones early and often, and we'll see how he responds. Maybe the Falcons will regret going after him if he can make some plays on the ball, but that's certainly something I'd be looking to attack there just because you also look at the outside corners with Jalen Mills, Ronald Darby, and those guys have had outstanding off seasons. So I'd be more likely to see if I can throw at Sidney Jones and, and see if I can beat him early on. Hey, Brandon, jump over to the offense. Uh, what, what's your take on that? Mike Wallace, uh, he's a guy that really, I, I'm sure they've got him because they feel like he can stretch the field faster than anybody that they've had. Uh, came with a little baggage maybe, but uh, has that attitude showed up any, or is that, that do they not take care of uh, or not have attitudes in Philly? They take care of them in the locker room. Yeah, based on what I've seen in the locker room, he seems to get along with everyone really well. He's very uh, jovial, and he jokes around with his teammates a lot. Um, so it's been all positive on that front. I think we, we clearly didn't see much out of Mike Wallace in the preseason, which is a little bit disappointing. But at the same time, I did see him have that deep speed in practice, so I don't think that's gone. I'm not really worried about that. It's more of just can these guys get on the same page because Mike Wallace missed – a little bit of time in practice there, and, and so did Nick Foles for a little bit. These guys haven't necessarily had the full slate of practice reps together, so I kind of want to see, can Mike Wallace and Nick Foles get on the same page? They didn't look like they were in the preseason. Maybe that'll change now that they've had some more time to work together, but that'll be a big test here. I mean, the Eagles are going to need to, to get a big play and get vertical at some point here, and Mike Wallace has the ability to do that. It's just a matter of, can those players connect? Can they get the rhythm going, can they be on the same page? Well, Brandon, uh, one guy who did have a good preseason was Shelton Gibson. And uh, with Jeffrey out, with Matt Collins out, I guess Gibson's going to get some decent playing time, at least in the opener. Is, is he the real deal? Does he have some talent? Uh, can he be a real contributor this season? He certainly made a huge improvement from where he was last year. Last year, at this time, Shelton Gibson cannot catch a cold. He was struggling mightily <laughs> in practice. It was It was not pretty. Um, he really didn't make the team on merit as much as the Eagles wanted to keep him around for his upside as the sixth receiver. He worked his way up to being the fifth receiver during season last year. He showed some improvement, uh, didn't get a ton of playing time, of course, but this off season, he's looked a lot better. His hands have been better. You're seeing him just, and part of the thing with Shelton Gibson, what makes it so good is what we, we've seen in the preseason. He can get deep and really he's just running by guys. I mean, his route running has also been impressive. We've seen some of that in the red zone. Uh, I feel really encouraged about his progress. I think ideally he's not your starter just because, you know, you want all Sean back. But for him to, to fill in here, I certainly feel a lot better than I would have at this time last year. And, and I do think we could see him make some nice contributions early in the season before all Sean Jeffrey gets back. You know, one of the things that I'm really excited about seeing, uh, because I, I was 
and Chip will tell you, I was so excited when they ended up getting Corey Clement last year as a free agent because I thought he was so good at Wisconsin. I was glad he fell to us. And he turned out to have a great the depth chart. Guy is one, Darius Bowles is two, and Corey Clement is three. And to me, Clement is a big contributor, and it's going to be interesting to see how they get him on the field and getting the football. Yeah, I think it's incredible the progress Corey Clement made from last year where I don't think he was nearly the same player that he was in week one by the time he had 100 receiving yards in the Super Bowl. I mean, he just made leaps and bounds of improvement last year. It was incredible to see. I mean, he's looked great physically this offseason. You can see he's added even more strength to his frame. Uh, I'm excited to see what we do see from him because he didn't really get to play much in the preseason outside of the first game. He had some nice contributions in limited amounts of playing time in that one against the Steelers. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he gets used this year because you figure you have Jay Ajayi here. He's in the con- his contract year, his final year of his deal. You would think the Eagles might want to run him hard and kind of get the most out of him while they still have him. But at the same time, I just don't think Ajayi is that factor in the passing game as a running back. I think that's Darren Sproles. I think that's Corey Clement. So I do think it'll be interesting to see how Corey gets mixed in here. All right, Brandon, some pleasant surprises last season. Corey Clement, of course, a re-energized Jason Kelsey, who a lot of people thought was pretty much on the downside, but he had a real good year. The since-departed Patrick Robinson. Give me a player or two who might do better than most people expect this season. I think I'd go back to Jordan Hicks. I think, again, he's just so good when healthy that I I think he can really make a difference for this team. I think we almost forget how good he is just because, you know, he he wasn't here last year. I think getting him back in there, his ability to cover tight ends in this league, uh, his ability to just make plays on the ball, I'm really excited to see him this year. And he's in a contract year, so he needs to have a big year, and I think he knows that. Um, I think another player you're looking at is Nelson Aguilar, and we already saw him make a big leap from being a total bust to being a very good slot receiver last year. But I think he could take even another step forward this year. He looked like one of the best players in training camp. He was catching everything thrown his way. He looked just generally uncoverable out there, just just very shifty, um, and was also burning guys deep as well. So the, he looks even faster, I feel like, than he did before. That was noticeable on multiple days of watching him throughout training camp in the offseason. So I feel really good about that. I think Nelson Aguilar might even lead this team in receiving this year. So uh, I know he was already kind of a breakout guy last year, but I think he could take even another step forward. Well, you know, along those lines, the one I was hoping you were going to say was uh, Derek Barnett. I'm kind of curious. He's going to be the starter, it looks like. Uh, He's earned that job. I want to see how he does not being a third down guy. But a, but a three-down guy. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles still have so much depth at defensive end that uh, I think Derek Barnett's sack numbers won't be as high as some people might want. And that's not necessarily an indictment on him. It's just, again, the Eagles rotate their defensive end so much that a lot of these guys are going to get playing time. I mean, you have Brandon Graham, you have Derek Barnett, you have Chris Fong, you have uh, Michael Bennett, who's here now. The Eagles talked about putting Fletcher Cox at defensive end in certain looks this year, as he certainly is looking to chase that defensive player of the year award that he stated he's aiming after. And then they obviously fourth round pick Josh Sweat is there as well. So there's just so many bodies there. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for everyone. And on the same coin there kind of limits some of those sack numbers. I do think 
Uh, we saw some positive flashes out of Derek Barnett in that third preseason game, which is nice to see because the starters played the most then. We will see if he can build on that. Um, I don't know if we're going to see that huge leap from year one for year two from him. That doesn't mean I think he's going to be bad. I just think, uh, given the situation, it's not like the prime material for him to just suddenly be a double-digit sack guy. Well, Brandon, one of the Eagles' slogans this year is embrace the target. They know they'll be getting every opponent's best shot. I guess that's part of the reason that only eight previous Super Bowl winners managed to repeat the next year. Are these Eagles up to the task? Do you care to make a formal prediction? What do you think? How's this season going to go? Yeah, it's going to be really tough. I mean, that's just the reality. You said it just now that it just doesn't happen. It's only happened ever once before in the salary cap era. The NFL is designed so teams don't repeat. They want the parity. They want to see a new champion every year almost. So the, the odds are certainly stacked against the Eagles, but the odds were also certainly stacked against the Eagles when they did win the Super Bowl last year. I think this team has a lot of motivation to get back there. You look at Carson Wentz, you look at Jason Peters, Darren Sproles, Jordan Hicks, even Chris Maragos. Those guys weren't on the field for that game. They weren't playing in that game last year. And those guys are some big leaders in the locker room. I think that makes a difference. I think this team could be kind of uniquely hungry to get back to that big game after winning last year. And obviously Carson Wentz is the biggest difference maker there. I think whenever he does get back healthy, I mean, he's going to have this team in a very good spot once again. I think they become the first team to repeat in the NFC since 2004. I do think the Eagles certainly uh, go far in the playoffs, and I'm, I'm not ruling out a Super Bowl repeat. Again, not going to be easy, but personally, I would love to see another Eagles-Patriots uh, battle for the third time to kind of really settle this thing once and for all. How many, <laughs> how many regular season well, wins, Brandon? What's uh, the record regular season? I think I'm looking at about 12 or 11 to 12 wins there. I think okay. uh, it's going to be there are some there's some tough sledding in there. You look at the Jaguars, the Saints. Um, there's some tough games in there, but I do think ultimately this is still a really good team, and I do think they're the best in the division. So I think they're they're a double digit win team. I think at least for sure. Well, hey, Brandon, I have one final question for you. We actually went 15 minutes with you before any of us mentioned Carson Wentz, and that's the million-dollar question. Uh, in your mind, what you watched him, when do you see, what's your guess on when he'll be back? So I was strongly of the belief that he had a really legitimate chance to play in week one just because uh, throw, throwing out all the, the timelines aside, I've seen him practice, and he's looked great. So – uh, I've been very positive and optimistic about his return. Uh, you know, given that it, it'll be Nick Foles week one, so um, it, it's kind of a mystery to some extent. But I, I think we saw Peter King suggest a couple of weeks ago that the Colts game could be the one. He kind of threw that out there as an opinion, but I think he kind of heard something with that, and that would make some sense. Uh, the Eagles are returning home for that game, so I, I do think maybe it could be week three. We see Carson Wentz back under center. Awesome. Well, hey, Brandon, before we go, uh, how about you let the listeners know where they can find you? You've got a lot going on during football season, and uh, let everybody know where they can keep track of you. Absolutely. You can read my work on bleedinggreennation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon Gowton, and you can check out Bleeding Green Nation's podcast. That's BGN underscore radio on Twitter. Awesome. All right, Brandon. Hey, thanks as always for joining us, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you during the season. Thanks for having me, guys. Again, congrats on 200 episodes. That's awesome. Thanks, Brandon. All right, thanks.
Hey, do you want a great place to grab some food or have a beer or two with your pals? I have just the spot. The Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, Bucks County. The Irish Rover has an extensive beer list, always 24 brews on tap, and daily dinner specials. Try one of the chef's killer burgers on Thursdays. There's a house DJ there Thursday and Friday nights, and now each Friday night there's a free buffet at 11 p.m. Great news for the Friday night party crowd. And with football season starting, watch for game day specials every Sunday, Monday, and Thursday. It's the Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. Hey, Chet, if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we've got the spot for you. All-speed insurance in Westchester, PA. Yeah, you know, Bill, one of the best benefits of having an all-state insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who's dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs. Someone you can call when you have questions or just need help of any kind. Dave is dedicated to protecting what's most important to you and your family. Call Dave today at Allstate Insurance in Westchester at 610-430-0700. That's 610-430-0700. All right, Chad, let's uh, continue our Eagles talk. You had a chance to sit down with the legendary Merle Reese, as you said earlier in the show. Uh, again, and uh, I know it's one of your very favorite interviews. Yeah, this is uh, four years in a row now we've talked to Merrill. He's awesome. We all know that. He's beginning his 42nd year as Bird's play-by-play man. He's still at the top of his game just days after celebrating birthday number 76. And he's still busy as heck, but he did manage to find time for us once again. We certainly do appreciate it. And here's our chat. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. This is Jim Chesko, and I'm thrilled to welcome back to Philly Press Box Radio for the fourth straight season, the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, Merrill Reese. Welcome, Merrill. Hi, Jim. Merrill, before we talk about the team, I want to ask something about you. I'm sure I'm not the first one to ask, but you've been broadcasting Eagles games for 42 years now as play-by-play man, and you finally got to say those words we've all waited for. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. So after it sunk in, how did that feel for you personally? Oh, it felt great. It felt just as great as you might imagine. It was a wonderful, wonderful time. It was an historic day for the Eagles. I was happy more than anything else, though, Jim, for the fans, because I've had a lot of fun over the years, and I intend to do this for years to come. And I've had miracles of the Meadowlands to describe, and this was my third Super Bowl. Some great playoff games over the years, some memorable moments. But for these fans... There are people who have really taken out second mortgages to buy season tickets, people who spend their last dollars to buy their kids' Eagles jerseys for Christmas. So for them, that was the great thrill to see them so happy to ride in the open-top bus four days after the Super Bowl and look at the lines of people along Broad Street, along the parade route, and look at the joy on their faces. That was the greatest thing. But to say it and to realize it, it was a great, great thrill. I'm glad you mentioned that, Merrill, because I wanted to ask you about your game-ending call and specifically the part where you referenced the fans. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Let the celebration begin. Was that line something you thought about in advance for a few days or a few decades, or did it just come out? Well, there was never a line that I thought of. However, Angelo Cataldi on WIP's morning show has often had me on and said to me, you know, after all these years, 
I'd like to see them win a Super Bowl for you. And I said to him basically what I just said to you, that I've had my thrills and I'm going nowhere. I intend to do this for years to come. But I want it for the fans because these are the people who really deserve it. I mean, I have the best seat in the house. I'm rewarded in many, many ways. But these are the people who really deserve to celebrate as, as champions. They're the best fans in the NFL. And so it was in my heart all along but it was never anything that I actually put down on paper. Well, you certainly did a great job with it. Uh, all right, we're all happy the preseason is over. It was ugly at times, but now the task of defending that first-ever Super Bowl title begins in earnest. Is there such a thing as a Super Bowl hangover to consider and maybe worry at least a bit about? No, no, I don't, I don't believe that. There are seasons that Super Bowl teams have had that have not gone well, but I don't believe it's because of a Super Bowl hangover, so to speak. I And I've heard all the stuff about you become the hunted as opposed to being the hunter. Yeah, that goes along with it because you are at the top of the mountain and everyone likes to knock off the king. But the truth of the matter is, Jim, I think each season stands alone. Each team is different. Some of the core players, some of the biggest names on last year's teams, guys like like Gary Blunt, he's gone. And I thought he was a major factor on this team last year, both on the field and in the locker room with his very positive personality. Vinnie Carey, who did some things on the field, great pass rusher, he is gone. Bo Allen, who may not have been a star, but he was one of the top rotation guys on that defensive line. He's gone. Trey Burton, the guy who launched the ball to Nick Foles in the Philly special, but even more so made some big plays during the season. He's gone. So you look at the Brent Selleck, who had been an Eagle for 13 years and was a very important part of the chemistry of that team. He's gone. Frank Reich, the offensive coordinator, John DiFilippo, the quarterback coach, they're gone. So this is a different team that has to find its own chemistry and go on from there. And I don't think it's any different from any Super Bowl championship team. Their players and their coaches become very, very coveted, and so they have to start all over again. That is what is so remarkable about the Bill Belichick, New England Patriots, the Belichick-Brady team that in the past 12 years won five Super Bowls. All right, Merrill, we do know now it's going to be Nick Foles as the Eagles' opening night quarterback against the Falcons. Not a bad thing, Foles the Super Bowl MVP. But I want to ask about Carson Wentz. He looks great in the drills we see him doing, but he hasn't taken a hit since the injury last December. So should we expect him to be the same guy we saw over the first 13 games a year ago right away this year when he does return to action? Probably not the guy that you saw in midseason form last year. Because even though he's been on the practice field and even though I think he is capable of going out there and getting hot and playing well, I think it takes a while to acquire your game time rhythm, your real game rhythm. But he, in a short while, will be that quarterback. There's no doubt in my mind. But Frank Reich said this to me the night before, the, the night that they actually drafted him. Reich described him as a generational quarterback and that's what I think he will become. He will follow in the path of the guys like Brady and Manning and Breeze and Roethlisberger, the best the game has to offer. I think he will be Aaron Rodgers. I think he will be an elite quarterback for years to come. 
Among the most pleasant surprises last year, the big comeback season by Nelson Aguilar and the performance of undrafted rookie Corey Clement, who ended up scoring a key touchdown and leading the team in receiving yards in the Super Bowl. Now, Clement's going to be one of the go-to guys in the backfield this year, as will Jay Ajayi, and Darren Sproles is back, hopefully for the full season. How will the coaches divvy up the touches for those three talented backs? I think it will depend on the game situation and what they have to do. There is no one bell cow back. They will keep them fresh. I think with Jay Ajayi, as good as he is and as explosive as he is, you have to have what in baseball is called a pitch count. You have to keep him under a certain amount of carries because there's no secret that he has had some knee problems in the past. So you want to keep him healthy. As far as Corey Clement is concerned, he'll do anything you ask him to do. And as far as uh, Darren Sproles is concerned, he is Weapon X, who can do so many things to help you in the course of a game. Zach Ertz had a terrific 2017. Now, the other two tight ends, as you mentioned, Brent Selleck and Trey Burton, are gone. But rookie Dallas Goddard is here. How good a tandem will Ertz and Goddard be? Maybe the best tandem they've ever had of tight ends. Maybe the best tandem of all. He's a big tight end. As a matter of fact, the way the numbers are, Jim, of course, he is number 88, and Zach Ertz is number 86. And in the Eagles' font, that six comes almost around in a full (laughs) loop, and you you can't tell the eight from the six. So I have learned that on the the, the white socks that go over their long socks, the white socks by Dallas Goddard are usually worn longer than the shorter socks by (laughs) Zach Ertz. That's how I identify them because they are the same body types and they are both athletic guys. And I I think they are going to be terrific together. Well, speaking of big, Merrill, what are your impressions of the huge Australian rugby player, six foot eight Jordan Mayalata? I heard Ross Tucker say that he may well be an all pro offensive tackle before long. That could be quite a story. Well, and that will be quite a path. I think the words you used before long may not apply. I think it's a process. And you're talking about somebody who knew nothing about football. The first time he came here, he wasn't sure to how to put on his pads. And I talked to Jeff Statlin, the offensive line coach, who really was somebody who was a proponent of Mylotta. Uh, and uh, he said to me, Merle, it would be like me asking you to broadcast a game in French. <laughs> and after Unde Trois Quatre, I'd be, I'd be stuck. But with Mylotta, it's piece by piece. And it's not going to happen overnight, but it will happen because he is so big and strong and solid and receptive to coaching and bright. He will be an outstanding offensive lineman. But will it take one year? No, I think maybe a couple of years down the road. All right. As for the defense, a lot of the main guys from last year are back. As you mentioned, there are some departures, too. Middle linebacker Jordan Hicks appears to be healthy again, fortunately. This defense should be very good. Do you agree? I do. I do. And having Hicks back is big because he is bright and instinctive. He's a terrific player. A year ago, the secondary was a concern in a lot of our minds. Now it's perhaps an area of strength. Lots of talent there. It is. I I think there's more talent at corner than I've seen in a long time. You know who the most talented defensive back is on this team? Who's that? Sidney Jones. Sidney Jones is just so, so gifted. So he'll start out in the slot, but believe me, he is somebody with Pro Bowl potential down the line. Eagles took him in the second round because he was not going to play last year, although they did line him up for a game at the end of the season coming off the Achilles tendon. But this is a guy who, had he not had the Achilles tear, 
probably would have been a top five pick. He is very, very special. Merrill, which NFC East rival is the biggest threat to the Eagles this season? None. Oh. And, and I mean that sincerely. I, I look at this division, and that Doug Peterson would probably tell me, Merrill, shut your mouth. <laughs> but I, I'm being honest with you. I don't see the Giants being a great threat. I still have to see more from their offensive line. I know they have a great running back in Saquon Barkley. I personally thought that the Giants should have, at that second spot, taken a quarterback like Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen. Two very good quarterbacks there that they could have picked. They may end up being embarrassed one day by the New York Jets, who were there, their crosstown rivals, and, and were able to pick up Darnold. But they'll be better. They were not going to be a two-win team. I mean, they're not going to be as bad as they were or anything like it, but they are still not a very good team. The Cowboys, the Cowboys lost their most prolific pass receiver in their history, and Jason Witten. He's now up in the Monday night broadcast booth, and they lost Des Bryant, who was their great weapon. Ezekiel Elliott is very good, but you don't win Super Bowls with running backs. Running backs are great pieces to have, but this is still a passing game. And I don't see the receiving talent on that team, and they have had some injuries along the offensive line. Although I do think Dak Prescott is a very good quarterback. But you're not going to go too far when Cole Beasley continues to be your go-to guy. And that's not a knock at Beasley, who I think is a pesky, tough little receiver. But I think he's a complementary piece rather than a difference maker. And as far as the Redskins are concerned, they're the Redskins. Yep. And I'm not sure that Alex Smith is going to be better for them than Kirk Cousins. But they're a team that uh, has some strengths, but they have too many weaknesses to really challenge. Although I wouldn't be surprised if the order of finish is the Eagles, the Redskins, the Giants, and the Cowboys. But we'll see. I've been wrong before, and I'll be wrong again. But that's just my from-the-gut reaction. I just think the Eagles are clearly the best team in the NFC East. All right, two final questions for you, Merrill. The Eagles' schedule is a challenging one this season, and there are some great road trips for fans, Tampa, Tennessee, New Orleans, L.A. to play the Rams again. And that October 28th game against the Jaguars in London, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that you're looking forward to that London trip. Well, I look forward to every trip. Not because it's London, though. I mean, I haven't been invited to Buckingham Palace. (laughs) I haven't been invited to play St. Andrews. We'll probably leave on a Thursday night, and it's just a normal road trip. However, it'll be fun because there will be so many Eagles fans heading to London for that game. So it will be fun. But, uh, you know, it's, it's Jacksonville, and they're a good team. They're a very good team. So I look forward to every road trip, but it's not as if we are heading to various places as tourists or a vacation. And I, I'm not sure what the broadcast conditions are like, although I've already broadcast twice. I've done two preseason games from Wembley Stadium. I've actually done one also from Mexico City and one from Tokyo. Uh-huh. So <laughs> it's, it's back to jolly old London, and it'll be fun. And finally, Merrill, uh, other than the Super Bowl win, obviously, what is your favorite moment of last season, favorite memory? Well, people ask me, other than the pass is incomplete, the game is over, the Eagles win the Super Bowl. My other favorite moment would be the very last seconds against the New York Giants at the link. Ah, yeah, when this happened. 61 yards. Hold your breath. Ball is spotted. The kick is away. And the kick is... J. 
Jake Elliott kicked the 61-yard field goal and launched the Eagles on a nine-game winning streak. That would be it. Certainly can't argue with that one. All right, Merrill, all the best as you enter your 42nd year as the voice of the Eagles. Great talking with you again on Philly Press Box Radio, and let's hope it's another terrific season. I hope so, and thank you, Jim. It's always nice being on with you. Well, hey, Chad, I, I got to tell you, listening to Merrill, listening to Brandon, these guys obviously got their act together, but uh, then they kind of get me fired up for this football season if I wasn't fired up already. Well, you know, it's our 200th show, Bill. I figured we needed a couple of pretty good guests tonight. I think we succeeded. We absolutely did. We got plenty We got plenty of Eagles talking, and uh, we got a little bit more we're going to get to in just a minute. Hey, I, but I did want to share something with you, Chet, why, why we were listening to Merle. I did a little checking, and those Atlanta Braves gave up six in the eighth and two <laughs> in the know. ninth to blow a seven-to-one lead and lose to the Red Sox nine-to-eight tonight, but our families are losing two-to-one. Oh, man. Yeah, I was, I was wondering about the Phils, how they were doing. I know they were down 2 nothing. I saw what happened to the Braves today. First time all year a team has blown a six-run lead uh, in the eighth inning or later after, like, 487 games where a team was up by six. None of them lost. The Braves blew one today at home to the Red Sox. So thank you, Atlanta, but the Phillies yep. got to take advantage. 2-1 to one in the ninth. Yep. Hopefully they can pull something out uh, We'll talk more about the Phillies next week because we're talking football this week. And, hey, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room, Chet. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page. People can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items comes with, comes with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are one in 21. Pretty good odds. Yep. Check out their Facebook page, like it or follow it. It's PTCC 118 Raz Room. Also, check the word is that after a great college football sale last weekend, that there's an NFL NFL sale coming this weekend. Oh. So great Super Bowl items and Brian Dawkins Hall of Fame items as well. Each will be posted on their Facebook page Saturday beginning at 8 a.m. in lots of four. You could buy one of each four, but they'll be in lots of four. Purchases are on a first-come, first-served basis. It's PPCC 118 Razroom on Facebook. Yep, we'll keep an eye out for that. Hey, you mentioned college football, Bill. I got to ask you, how'd you like that Penn State-Appalachian State game on Saturday? A wild one, man. It was a wild one, and I'll tell you what, uh, sometimes it better be lucky to good because the Nittany Lions fell apart in the fourth quarter, giving up 28 points to a quarterback that was just shredding. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, they managed to they managed to get uh, the kickoff return after it uh, uh, looked like the guy made a mistake in the end zone and wasn't coming out and made a great play, turned out, got the overtime and got the win, so... At the end of the season, it's or the end of the day, it's a win is a win, but boy, they uh, got by by the skin of their teeth. It was an exciting game to watch, and they did get the W, but they got to play better in the weeks ahead, including this Saturday against Pitt. And by the way, final score, the Phillies lost to the Marlins 2-1, to one, so they're three games back still. They did not take advantage of the break that the Braves gave them. Boy, that's rough. Yeah. Hey, speaking of Penn State, uh, Chet, 8 p.m. ABC game of the week this week at uh, – at Pitt, and it will be a Penn State-friendly crowd, I'm told. Oh, okay. I'll be sure to be watching. You know that. Uh, me too. Well, hey, it's fantasy football time with our resident expert, Fred Hugo, and 
Fred, welcome back to the show. And, you know, Chet, I don't know that we can consider Fred a guest anymore. He's been on with us so many times. He's certainly the leader of the pack. He's, he's kind of like one of us. Yeah, he's just Fred. Hey, Fred. <laughs> he's just Fred. I'm just that guy, you know? You're that guy. Uh, I enjoy the other that. guy. Fredandbutter.com. I'm not that guy. You just call up. Whenever whenever you, you know you call him up, he'll get a beer with you. Yeah. You just call him <laughs> well, that's, that. that's a good hey, guy. Fred, you're, Fred you're, you're that guy, and I'm the other guy. So there we go. <laughs> well, Fred, we, I'm, you, you've had all your drafts already, so you're all set. But uh, for people who are getting ready for week one, I know week one can be tricky. Some guys are still trying to get healthy. A certain running back in Pittsburgh doesn't seem to want to play there anymore. Put it all in perspective and then give us the lowdown. Who do you play? Who do you sit in week one? Well, you, you hit the nail on the head as far as week one. You really don't know what to do. You, you really got to just base it off last year. And in my opinion, stick with the, the number one ranked tiered guys that you had in your draft. So stick with who you thought was going to be good. You really can't play the matchup game yet, but what I kind of like to do is look and see what defenses were were bad last year and then see what they may have done to improve. And then based on that, I, I may or may not start a guy, you know. And then you got, like you said, your situations where you have injuries pop up or Le'Veon Bell, who many people took number one overall. Yeah. And it looks like he's out this week, and, and he could he could even sit out I don't know, the next six weeks, who knows? He's all about his money, not not the team. I think he's forgetting about that offensive line that blocks for him. But um, so you just go with the next man up in that situation, you know. All right, give That's us some names. Give that. us some names. Who you got for week one? All right, so I, I just off a couple couple I'm just gonna say who I would start. Normally I do who I uh, who I would sit to, but I, I post that on Sunday morning. So if you wanna look on the Fred and Butter dot com, you can see it there. So a couple names I like at the quarterback position is uh, Jared Goff against the Raiders. Um, I like Deshaun Watson against that Patriots secondary. They were atrocious all year. They were atrocious in the Super Bowl, and, and I think Deshaun Watson will, will light them up. A sleeper quarterback pick that, that you might not know or think of is I like Tyrod Taylor. Um, I like him starting this week against the Steelers. At the running back spot, I would go Kareem Hunt versus the Chargers. Um, Leonard Fournette against the Giants. They're they're both suspect defenses and, and top running backs. Um, and then a sleeper pick for the running back area. I would go with Kerryon Johnson. Um, he was uh, he was a pick. I forget what round the Lions picked him, but he was the number one in Auburn in the SEC. He has a similar style to Le'Veon Bell, and he's going up against a Jets defense that that isn't really good. Um, at least they weren't last year. At the um, the wide receiver position, I'm going to go with uh, Michael Thomas against the Buccaneers. Um, DeAndre, these are obvious names. DeAndre Hopkins against the Patriots. And then a, a sleeper pick that if you have him on your roster is uh, Danny Amendola, who's now a Miami Dolphin. He'll be going against the Titans, but their, their number one receiver, Devontae Parker, is out. So he's going to get a lot more touches than you would think. And, and obviously they have a healthy Tannehill. At, um, at tight end, um, Gronkowski is the obvious one, but it's against the Texans. And it, it, if you have Gronk or you're doing like a Fandle, you, you got to go with Gronk there. And then a sleeper pick is, is a guy that was a part of the Philly special. I like Trey Burton not only this week, but I like him all year. He's got a ton of touches in the preseason, which 
doesn't mean much, but with, within the bear situation, they are trying to see what Trubisky has and see what they have. So um, I really like Trey Burton against Green Bay. Uh, defensively, you have an easy matchup with, with the Jaguars versus the Giants. The, the O-line, uh, they brought in um, uh, Nate Solder, or Soldier, however you pronounce it, but I still don't think that line's ready to go yet. Um, I like the Jags against Eli. And then a sleeper defense, I like the Lions defense against Sam Darnold. Um, he may turn out to have a great career, but typically rookies do struggle in the beginning, so that should be a good matchup there if you have the Lions D. And as far as kickers go, I mean, it's really tough. I, I would say I mean, you, you don't really know. Anything could happen. So just take whoever you drafted, the number one guy, start them. But I would say one thing with kickers is if, you look, if you're looking on Sunday morning, um, just check the weather and see what the weather is. And if you're seeing it, it's a rainy day or it's going to be really windy or, or something like that, you might want to go with your backup kicker if you have one. But other than that, the, that's week one for me. And then I'll have more stuff on, uh, on Sunday morning like I did last year with the uh, start one, sit one. There you go. Very good. Well, hey, Fred, you want to stick around and make some predictions with us? Heck yeah. All right. Well, here we go. Let's there do we it. Go. Hey, we'll cover, we're going to cover the NFC East games this week like we did last year. And, of course, we'll end up with our Eagles season predictions at the end. So, Fred, here we go. We got Jacksonville. Minus, I'm going to give you all, all three of the games, okay? Jacksonville minus three at the Giants. Washington at Arizona. Arizona's a minus four. And Dallas at Carolina. Carolina minus three. Fire away. We're just picking them even up, though, right? Yeah, we're just picking okay. winners. I'm just giving you yeah. info. Just making sure. So you want me to just pick all three? Yeah. Yep, go ahead. All right, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going against the NFC East and every one of those picks. So um, I got the Gi- Giants are losing to the Jags. I think the Jags D is going to take over there. Uh, the Redskins may make it a game. I like, not that I like Alex Smith, but I think he's a solid quarterback. And he'll make less mistakes than Kirk Cousins. But I like Arizona this year, so I'm going to go with the Cardinals there. And, oh, my gosh, are the Dallas Cowboys going to be exposed this year? I cannot <laughs> wait for this year. They, they're, they are going to lose. Dak Prescott is going to be exposed. I can't even believe people are putting the same, him in the same sentence as Wentz. So I think um, I think the Panthers win that game as well. And Bill, I don't know if this is good or bad, yeah. but I totally agree with Fred on everything right there. I'm going against the NFC East in those three games as well. I have Jacksonville, I have Carolina, I have Arizona, and even if I didn't really think the Cowboys were going to lose, I'd probably pick against them anyway, just because I don't like them. So yeah, Jacksonville, Carolina, <laughs> and Arizona. Well, and I'll, I'll tell you what, guys, I got the same three. Uh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I am interested to see what happens with Saquon Barkley and the Giants offense. I think they have added some weapons. Uh, they still have Eli Manning at quarterback. I'm not sure he can get it done. Washington isn't good. And Dallas is going to be fun to watch because say what you want about Des Bryant. He was still and, – and Jason Witten is, is great. Yeah. They're without those two. Uh, I'm just not seeing it. They're going to try to run the ball. They got offensive line problems as well. Um, I think they're in big trouble. And as Merle said early on, um, the Eagles are going to dominate that NFC East this week, as far as I'm concerned. I agree. All right. Well, hey, last but not least, 
Falcons at the Eagles, Thursday night, national TV, Super Bowl celebration, all the hype you want to throw at it. Who wins the game, Fred? Minus one. Eagles, minus one. Oh, I will be there, too. It's going to be awesome. Uh. Um, So, this is tough. I think this is going to be similar to the playoff game. Um, I I think Nick's going to take a little bit to get in a rhythm. Everyone knows with the read option now and and defenses – We'll adjust to that, so you can't just keep doing that the whole time. Um, I, I Quinn's a, uh, the head coach is a defensive coordinator, so he's a defensive guy. I think it's a close game. Uh, it's going to be tough, but I'm going to take the Eagles by a field goal. Let's go. Let's go. Seventeen, fourteen, Eagles. All right, guys. Here we go. Okay. Uh, tough game for the birds. The Eagles version of the birds. There's going to be a lot of anticipation with the banner going up and all that. But you know what? I just don't know that they're ready for week one to play with, you know, everybody just getting back after the short summer. Uh, guys didn't play in the preseason because they were still recovering. Don't hate me. I am picking Atlanta to win this game 20 to 13. Well, that's why we have you on here so we can make fun of you. <laughs> Go for it. I thought the that was Eagles, my job. <laughs> the Eagles are going to win this game, Mr. Chesco. And the Eagles are going to win the game 23-17. It's going to be fun to watch. Um, Eagles are going to run the football, and they're going to run with a big five offensive lineman. They're going to use their tight ends. Nick Foles, The game is not going to be on Nick Foles' shoulders. They're going to run the football. Now, defensively, they have to stop Julio Jones. I think, of course, that's that's the big weapon. Uh, and they're going to try to throw him the ball like they always do. Um, but they'll they'll rise to that occasion. I like the Eagles 23-17 and off to a good start. But it's going to be a really good game. Hey, Bill, I want to bring our okay. I want to bring our producer in, Taylor. Taylor Kredatis, longtime Eagles fan. He's new to us, but he's been doing this for a long time. Uh, Taylor, how do you see game one? I'll say 13-17. to 17. Um Probably not going to be a pretty game, but I think uh, the Eagles win their home opener. Eagles win by four. Okay, we'll see if you're right. There you go. Say three smart guys and then there's Chet. I hope I'm <laughs> okay. wrong. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> All right, All season. right, I'm just messing with you. You know that, Chet. Hey, Eagles prediction, season prediction time, Fred. What do you like? I think they struggle the first half of the year to get rolling, and they're, they're probably in that five and three range, and then I think they take off the second half. I'm going to go um, 11 and five and uh, and win the division. And uh, do you go further than that, or I I think they go back. They go back to the Super Bowl as well. Hmm. 11 and five, get back to Super Bowl. All right. Uh, well, here's my deal. I Merrill may not think a Super Bowl hangover is a real thing, but I'm not so sure. There are the injury concerns that I mentioned. Uh, just like a year ago when they overcame them, but I don't know if you can do that again this year. The schedule is difficult. Now, it is true the NFC East isn't overly strong right now, so the Birds will win the division, but I don't think they're going to win 13 this year. I'm going to be conservative and say the Eagles will finish 11-5. and They win the East, but not get back to the Super Bowl. I'm not a hater. I just have this hunch. So Eagles go 11-5, and but do not get back to the Super Bowl. Taylor, you're up next. Uh, I'm actually with you, uh, 11 and 5. Um, I think they could get to the NFC Championship, but uh, that's about it. All right. Bill, it's all on you, pal. Well, and I hate it because I had 11 and 5. I was leaning wow. 12 and 4, and then I looked at the schedule and I said, hey, you know, if I got to lean, I'm going to lean back a little bit because of the road games at New Orleans, at 
London, at uh, L.A., uh, then this this opener tomorrow. I mean, there, there's a chance they could lose four or five pretty easily, although I don't think they'll lose any in the East unless one slips up later in the season. But I'm I'm going to go 11 and five. They win the East. I'm not ready to talk about the playoffs yet. Got to see how the season <laughs> plays out. Okay, sounds good. All right. Oh, so. You can't make a guess. <laughs> uh, we'll let him slide. We'll, well let him slide. I'm going to root for him, but we'll talk more about that as we go. All well, right. hey, Fred, before we let you go, uh, give us your website, Twitter, things you got going on, so that people can follow your fantasy football. Thanks. Um, it's uh, FredandButter.com. Um, I'll be posting fantasy stuff throughout the year, but certainly every Sunday I do a stardom sit'em, where I who you think you should start and sit for that day. Uh, typically early in the morning, around ten, eight between eight and ten a.m. And then you can find me on at, on Twitter at Fred Hugo underscore. And then on Facebook, there's a FredandButter.com Facebook page. If you just search that on Facebook, or you can just friend me, uh, Fred Hugo is my name on Facebook. But I'm a fancy stuff. I'm actually going to have a tomorrow morning. There'll be a post of uh, my predictions for the NFL season, every division, and what I think how it's going to pan out. Sounds good, Fred. All right, Fred. Hey, we'll see you. We'll see you next week. Sounds good. See you. Go birds. All right. All right. Hey, hey, Chad. We want to let our listeners know and remind our loyal listeners to visit our Philly Press Box Radio website, phillypressboxradio.com. We cover all the big stories of the Philly sports teams. Also, write a few articles ourselves, and you can listen to our last two podcasts and our latest Vimeos as well. We still have our sponsor banners going across the top. Click on the Irish Rover Station House and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com banner to go directly to their website. Remember, it's PhillyPressBoxRadio.com. You are correct, sir. Uh, all right. Well, hey, Chet, before we get to our party shot, let's let our listeners know that life has gotten in the way a little bit of our Philly Press Box activities, all for the better. But we're going to be making some adjustments here starting next week. Tell us what's going on and then tell us who our guests are going uh, to well, be. Well, Bill, this is kind of unprecedented. We don't have our new time slot etched in stone just yet for future weeks. That is thanks in part to me starting a new job this coming Monday, which uh, I haven't really officially announced yet, so we'll just leave it at that. But uh, my work hours are going to be a little bit different. We can tell you that it will almost certainly be Thursday nights that we'll be coming on with you still. Uh, Wednesday, tonight was just the exception. Uh, it'll likely be, get this bill, 8.30. 8.30. We are talking with the powers that be here at Wildfire Radio, and it's looking like 8.30 on Thursday, but it might be 9.30. So because of all that, because of the uncertainty, I haven't booked our guests just yet. We know that Fred Hugo will be back. We know you and I will be here. We know we'll talk Phils and Eagles, but that's all we can say for sure. We will certainly be sure to let everyone know via Facebook and Twitter. So stay with us on social media, and uh, you'll find us next Thursday. And you'll be prepared to tell us about your new venture, too, because people yes. might be interested in that as well. Yes, indeed. All right. Parting shot for you tonight, Chet. 
Well, I'm going to do this, and then we'll talk a little bit very briefly about number 200. But first, got to mention some stuff we didn't get to this week, Bill. Uh, a couple of things. Brent Selleck officially retired last Thursday night, right as we were finishing our show, as it turned out. A great eagle and a real good guy. Ryan Howard made his retirement official on Tuesday. The big piece was a beast from 2005 through 11. Just a shame the Phils didn't get him to the big league sooner. A shame also that the torn Achilles in his final at-bat of the 2011 postseason hampered him for the following four seasons. Otherwise, we'd be talking about a Hall of Famer for sure. Chip Kelly lost his opener at UCLA. Ah, bummer, Chip. And I love this, Bill. <laughs> I love this. Dunkin' Donuts inadvertently shipped several boxes of Eagles World Championship Cups to Dunkin' stores in the Boston area last week. A number of people, presumably Patriots fans, received their iced coffees or iced teas in Eagles Cups right there in Patriots country. Dunkin' issued an apology for the mistake. Well, we here in the Philly area just laughed our butts off at the whole story. <laughs> hey, uh, did we forget anybody's birthday? Uh, well, let's see. We had Raquel Welsh turning 78 today. I loved Raquel, as you know. I mentioned that on the little pre-show thing I did. Also, Freddie Mercury turned, well, he would have turned 72 had he lived, of course. He was uh, born 72 years ago today. I loved Queen. Got to see them twice in the late 70s. And, man, what a performer. Well, I knew you. I knew you wanted to throw Raquel out there because some people didn't get to listen to the pre-show. Yes. Uh, wouldn't know that today was her birthday, and they, of course, you would want to celebrate. That. Yes. And do you have a parting shot, or do you just want to mention something about number two hundred for I us? I do. Okay. I just have. I just have a quick parting shot, but it has to do with two hundred, and then I'll lead in. You can lead out, and I just want to say thank you to the listeners of the show, our Facebook friends that just love talking Philly sports. It's what we do, and. We couldn't do it without you guys all being along, along with our guests and our sponsors. And to you, Chad, it's been a blast for the first 200 shows. People don't realize, uh, don't know that we didn't know each other before we started this venture. And if we didn't do another show, we would walk away great friends. And that's what sports is all about. And uh, although that's not our plan, let's get ready to do another 200. Sounds good to me. Yeah, we started it four and a half years ago, not knowing what to expect, but it's been a whole lot of fun. We've had a lot of great guests. And in case you didn't see it, I wrote an article kind of summarizing the whole thing for our website the other day. So uh, check it out if you haven't already, phillypressboxradio.com. You'll see how we made it to 200 shows. It's been a fun journey, I'll tell you that. Yeah, excellent article, too. You covered it all. And uh, for anybody that, that doesn't know about us or has been with us from the start, check that article out. Great job. Thank you. All right. And with that, we've reached the end of our hour. We'd like to thank our special guests, Merle Reese, Brandon Lee Galton, Fred Hugo, our sponsors, Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPC C 118 Raz Room, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance and Westchester for their continued support of the show. And of course, our wildfire radio producer extraordinaire, Taylor Quintanis. Great job. For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoy the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Thursday, September 13th at a time to be determined, <laughs> right here on wildfireradio.com. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl 52 champions. P-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles!